Welcome to Love's Last Call with Evangelist Carol Ann of Agape Light Ministries. Please open your hearts to hear an anointed message that will encourage and empower you to walk in the love and light of God's Word. Beloved, as we continue in our current podcast series entitled, Lucifer's One World Religion is Arising. Today, as promised, I will be addressing some of the official actions of Pope Francis that give strong indication that if he is not the false prophet scripture describes as being the right-hand man to the Antichrist in his global reign, he is at least a formidable forerunner to him. These critical issues are being addressed with a hope that they will stir the hearts of those who have been truly born again of the spirit of the living God to be awakened in our understanding that as his legitimate children, we hold a great responsibility as his salt and light to a sin-darkened world. Because we have reached the almost full-blown Laodicean condition of the church, prophecy for the most part has been cast aside with greater attention given to our living out of life on this earth. Most messages are geared to give guidance and direction on how to live a more victorious life, and surely there is merit in these much-needed encouragements. But what has happened to the deeper preaching that is centered on the desperate need for man to be born again in transference power from the realm of sin and darkness into God's glorious kingdom of love and light? Why do we no longer hear that the kingdom of God is not of this world, and those who are now living as his holy offspring are no longer of this world as well? In Philippians 3:18 to 20, we are given the Holy Spirit contrast offered through the words of Paul between those who have become citizens of heaven and those who still remain subject to this world. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly wait a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Anyone who has truly studied the word of God understands that out of the tapestry of eternity, the living word carved out a swatch of time with the intention of laying out his plan of salvation and to put evil away forever. There is much we do not yet know about all that happened surrounding Lucifer and his rebellion against Elohim, such as what existed before, or why Lucifer became filled with pride and evil in the first place. But what we do know is that the events that took place in the Garden of Eden happened with God's foreknowledge, and therefore Adam and Eve's fall from grace did not surprise him, but was instead part of his majestic and marvelous strategy to not only outsmart the enemy in his rebellious standoff, but to provide the way for mankind to be with their creator in his eternal kingdom of love and life beyond forever. It was a plan that was so amazing, so benevolent, and so magnificent that the enemy would never be able to sabotage it. And that was because it would be accomplished by God himself 
through his very own son, who would offer himself up in the glorious reconciliation payment of his perfect, holy, and sinless blood. Through him, man's fallen nature would be reversed through new birth, resurrection, regeneration power, making him a new creation in Christ Jesus the Lord. Of course, Lucifer now dubbed Satan, which means adversary, in his prideful and blasphemous fallen condition, continues to forge ahead, thinking somehow he can still win, and therefore he has been working through the agency of fallen man since the Garden of Eden in the formation of his kingdom, which he plans to rule over and gain the world's worship for himself. In John 12, 31, Jesus referred to Satan as the ruler of this world. This, of course, is only a temporary allocation because the Lord is giving him but a short period of time to tempt mankind in the weighing of the scale of who man will choose, the God of love or the God of this world. The Lord God will never force anyone to come to him. Man must come freely and choose from within his own heart who he will follow. And so, as we contemplate these scriptural realities, it must be clearly understood that for the legitimate children of God, who accept and follow the whole counsel of God, everything that is playing out in this earth has a prophetic purpose behind it, and therefore must be discerned through the lens of that certain reality. Otherwise, we may be in danger of becoming complacent and earthbound in our thinking which will quickly diminish our effectiveness as God's ambassadors of salt and light and the heavenward message we are commissioned to give. And this brings us to our coverage of Pope Francis, because surely his actions since he has become Roman Catholicism's 266 pontiff are dramatically pointing to his participation in the formation of not only a one-world religion, but the one-world governmental and economic empire of the Antichrist as well. To understand just how powerful the Pope is and the magnitude of influence he wields, allow me to share some facts offered by Quora, a question-and-answer website where they write, The Pope, among other things, is a head of state. Vatican City is a nation, so the Pope runs a country that can negotiate with other nations, enact laws, etc. You could say that he has the same power as a prime minister, president, and so on. He is also the head of the largest Christian sect. The Catholic Church has 1.2 billion members in pretty much every nation on earth. The Pope determines the direction and tone of how the church moves. The Pope has access to presidents and dictators and is followed by media outlets in most countries. He is seen by non-Christians as a representative of the Christian churches in a first-among-equals kind of way. His decisions and opinions hold great sway in influencing the decisions of a lot of people, and he is seen as a court of last resort when it comes to conflicts between churches and or its members. Additionally, in a HuffPost article, supplementary information is offered regarding the profound power the Pope holds, both religiously and governmentally. They write, As the head of the Roman Catholic Church, the Pope occupies a position that no other religious leader can match. The influence of the Catholic Church and the pontiff who heads it 
is augmented by the status of the Vatican as an independent city-state that maintains diplomatic relations with countries around the world. As the leader of the Vatican, when the Pope visits a country, it is not just as a religious leader. It is as a head of state. This sets the Pope apart from most leaders, whether religious or political, aside from more ceremonial positions, such as the one held by the Queen of England, who is both in name only, head of the Anglican Church, as well as of the Commonwealth, but exerts little influence over either. The Pope, on the other hand, is the clear authority behind both of these titles and able to wield the influence that comes with it. On September 14, 2015, Pope Francis was the first Pope to address the U.S. Congress, and while not overtly exposing his one-world agenda that in other quoted declarations he has made very clear, the undertones most certainly pointed to the necessity of the world coming together with respect and dignity for all men. And certainly what was absent in his speech before the Congress was the scriptural need for all men to become born again and reconciled to the Father in heaven through repentance of sins and complete trust in the Savior for their salvation. Even though he was speaking in a political forum, he is, after all, supposed to be a religious leader representing Christianity, is he not? And so should not something have been said by him that addresses those things which are much more important to mankind because of the eternal consequences they hold, rather than merely the temporal earthly matters that are now holding such import to mankind instead. But of course, anyone who holds any discernment at all realizes that he is not a true representative of Jesus Christ and his unadulterated word of truth, or his true church either, but instead is a masterful imposter. In an article written for Z3news.com, which lines up current events with the prophetic word of God, they offer consideration to the possibility of Pope Francis in the role of the false prophet identified in the book of Revelation. They write, The Bible warns us that a religious leader will arise in the last days who will unite the world into a one-world religion. He will have the appearance of a lamb, which means he will appear to be a follower of the Lord. However, in reality, he is an imposter and a deceiver. His true identity is the second beast, also named by the word of God as the false prophet. His campaign to unite the world's religions will ultimately lead people of all faiths to come together for the purpose of worshiping the first beast, the Antichrist. Today, we see a religious leader taking such action to unify the religions of the world in ways that are unprecedented. His name is Pope Francis, the leader of the Catholic Church. And on that note of valid speculation, we must pause, beloved. In our next podcast, I will pick up where we left off today. Until then, and as always, I bid you his agape. You've been listening to Love's Last Call with Evangelist Carol Ann of Agape Light Ministries. If you'd like to receive a CD copy of this message or you have a prayer request, please contact us at Agape Light Ministries, P.O. Box 6313, Chesterfield, Missouri, 
6-3-0-0-6, or via our website at www.agapelightministries.com. Again, that's www.agapelightministries.com.